to Crank Encounters. As always, I am your host, Jake Del Mastro, and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello, how's it going? You know, not too bad. Do you, do you, uh, you ready for this? I am. Can you handle this? I think I can handle it. Because, you know, I think we're pretty good at handling things, you know. You know, much like the TSA, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we handle have, shit. Yeah, we handle shit on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. that's a much better opening bit than the bit I was going to do. I was going to do the, uh, I was going to say, uh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. But uh, that's, my yours is much better. Thank you. So, as you may have guessed from our cryptic references. Oh, so cryptic. <laughs> Masters of weaving webs of deception, we are. Yes, the the uh, the movie that we're covering today is uh, the 2017 horror film Get Out. Get Out. Yeah, and you know it's a good film. I like it. We're gonna spoil the hell out of it. It's very. Uh, I mean, we spoil every movie we've ever done, and I think that kind kind of goes without saying. But yeah. as you just mentioned, this this if you're a first time listener. Uh, this is a big spoily. If you're a long-time listener and you and you don't care or you haven't watched it, go watch it because, as you said, it's 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 good to not have spoiled for you. Yeah, no, like I I really enjoyed uh, watching this movie without really knowing that much about what's happening in it. So uh, and then know. it's fascinating to go back and watch it a second time. Like, yeah, definitely knowing how it, what happens. Um, because yeah. then you can see there's a lot of stuff to look out for in that that rewatch. But um, yeah. So, but before we actually get into spoiling the movie, which we will do, yes, um, we have some uh, administ- administrative um, stuff yeah, to some, uh, uh, yes. get through yes. here. Um. So, I have noticed that uh, you know over the last couple, uh, last little while over the podcast. Uh, for some reason, people aren't listening to the part twos as much as the uh, part ones. So, uh, you know, it, it might be kind of confusing the way we're posting this. Because uh, I guess if, you, if you're, if you like, looking on your timeline or whatever, and you see, oh, we posted a new episode, but, oh, it's on the same movie. That might be yeah. confusing. Uh, but, yeah, there are, in fact, two Usually two, two parts, parts to every film we do. three. Usually. Sometimes it's three. Uh, and occasionally, occasionally it's, it's one. one. Yes. Um but yeah, every week, or almost every week, there should be a new episode unless we're taking that week off, which we will tell you ahead of yes. time. Yes, yeah, yeah. New episode every week, two parts. Usually we do uh, similar organizational things, but we're going to start outlining the parts for you so you know when to expect what. So if you know if there's something that's just in part one that you care about or something just in part two, you can do that too. So you can just listen to this first little bit, and we'll we'll lay them out for you. Exactly. So without further ado, so, so this yeah, is part this one. is we are in part <laughs> one. This is the uh, in part one. We're gonna do the uh, we're gonna do the summary. We're gonna do some initial thoughts. Uh, for a change of pace, we're gonna do how did they shoot it? Um, because that's always fun, and we thought we'd move that into part one to shake things up a little bit. Um, and maybe catch some catch some interest in part one that isn't always there. Um, and then we're gonna do the music, and then we might do another segment after that. That is always yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, 
long-time listeners will probably guess what yes, it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then next week we return uh, in part two uh, for some talking about the production, which will include the pre-production period. Um, and then we're going to talk about, because this movie is a weird movie with, like, in terms of how it how it uh, uh, was received and then the award season that came afterwards. There's yeah, so, so we'll talk all about that. Uh, yeah, that, there's which, a lot to which parse. Which is really interesting. So, uh, part two should be really good. Yeah, and then we'll we have that. another mysterious segment. Yeah, another segment. Which, segment. Uh, you know, long-time listeners will probably also know what that is. Yeah, so that's all part two. So, so that will be next week. So, yes. so without further ado, as you said. So there was in fact further ado when I there said was that. further ado. Well, yeah. I thought you meant into this explanation of the outline for part one but there this is that well that now i've created more ado You're so just <laughs> lots of ado here we, so we let's just jump into this cut summary. down on the ado yeah yeah no more ado um so do you want to summarize mean? this you want to summarize this movie for us you know i could but you know i feel like i've been doing the summaries a lot so why don't we give you a chance keen okay all right here we go so okay spoilers starting right now oh mega spoilers yeah i'm gonna be so, super spoiler if you don't want this movie spoiled go watch the movie go watch the movie yeah then the, from here on out there will be spoilers so you can't just skip ahead there's no. spoilers many spoilers i don't know why you're still listening yeah. to be honest leave <laughs> go okay um but come back well, come yeah, back later. come back after um, you watch it yeah okay yeah. so there's a guy uh and his name is Something. <laughs> Something Washington. The main character. Chris? Oh, uh... Even Chris. Is his name Chris? To be honest, he's such a boring character. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he, he is a boring character. Uh, but, you know, Chris. that's... Chris. It's Chris. Kind of the point. It's Chris, Chris it's Washington. Chris. Right. So you've got... You've got... Chris Washington. Um, and he's... He's with his girlfriend, whose name is Rose Armitage. Rose? And they're going to be going out to uh, 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 her family's house in in the country uh, for a weekend. Yeah, in, in, in upstate, upstate New, New York. York. Yeah, and they're in New York. He's a New Yorker through and through, I believe. He was born and raised is the implication. He's a sick boy, he says a couple of times. Right. Um, so they're going to her parents' house in the country. And uh, he he's a bit concerned that she has not alerted her family to the fact that he is a black man because he's concerned that they're going to be weird about it. Um, but she says, don't be concerned. My parents aren't racist. My dad yeah, would have voted for Obama They would have voted time. for Obama a third time if they could have, <laughs> so clearly not racist. Um, yeah. That that line is one of the funniest jokes in this entire movie. Are there, yeah, there's is, some great... They could have voted for some, Obama a third, third time. time. Yeah, there's some great... Greatest, greatest president of my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I screamed at yeah. my at my TV. It no, it was Jimmy Carter. It was Jimmy Carter. Oh well, obviously it was Jimmy obviously. Carter. Yeah, the one. 
you know, it was a short time, but it was a great yeah, time. Yeah, and I assumed that he was he was old enough to be alive for Jimmy Carter's presidency. I, I'm not 100% sure, but That's I true. assumed. Um, anyway, so they they drive up to the cottage in a very uh, uh, kind of shining-like intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he calls his friend, the, uh, the TSA agent, who we... Rod, Rod Williams. Williams. Um, who's a great character, um, very, very fun comedian, um, plays him. And so he calls him, tells him where he's going. He says some funny shit about the TSA because he's part of the TSA when that comes up many times. So anyway, they, 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 they get to the house and they get in, he gets introduced to the family who is, you know, uh, 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 an upper class, uh, a white family who is, I don't know, uh, uh, acts exactly how you expect them to act. And her father, uh, quickly informs him that he would have voted for Obama a third time. Just if he could. If he could have, if he could have. And she immediately brings up a story about his his father uh, losing a race to, uh, uh, what's his name? Jesse Owens. Yeah, so he loses a race. His grandfather lost a race to Jesse Owens and apparently never got over it. Uh, so now they're in the house, and then they find out, okay, they find out that there's actually going to be a party this weekend. Oh, no. So it's going to be much worse than just hanging out with the family because there, there's there's this this big function yeah. where all these other... Also, her brother comes over and is super weird. Oh, yeah, her brother's really weird. He tries to, like, choke him out in, like, a weird way. <laughs> yeah, tries to pull some MMA moves Yeah, yeah, him. his brother's really weird. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu and shit, yeah. So, so... Um, very weird. From his nervous tics, they can tell that Chris is a is a a smoker who's trying to quit. So they offer to give him some hypnotism. Well, the the Catherine Keener character <laughs> offers to give him some hypnotism to to fix that because she's a a, a a a psychotherapist or whatever who who has developed a special uh, hypnotic method for treating smokers. Um, but he declines. Yeah. Uh, because that's weird as fuck, um, and he's matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, so he, late at night that night, he sneaks out for a smoke. He ha- he's having a smoke, and he sees a guy running. It's a creepy ass scene. He sees a guy just like running in the dark, yeah. and the guy like runs right at him, and like runs into his face, and then runs away, and that's mysterious. So it freaks him out. So he goes back yeah. in. He gets intercepted by Catherine Keener. Who's like, I know you were having a smoke, let me hypnotize you. Yeah, so but but back to the groundskeeper guy. Like, importantly, it's uh there's some very weird characters hanging around. Yeah, the house. there's the there's the the quote unquote help who's hanging around. Um yeah. only black folks he encounters in the house. And they're Yeah. Conspicuously acting very strange. So finally he's intercepted by Catherine Keener <laughs> who hypnotizes him. Yep. Um. Well, yeah, she hypnotizes him in a really weird way. Uh, he falls into a place that she refers to as the sunken place, and then he like wakes up and thinks it's like all a dream, but then finds out that it wasn't a dream. He actually got hypnotized. Yeah, because he can't. Because he, he can't yeah, because he anymore. hates cigarettes. So he's like, I think your mom hypnotized me. Yeah, it's like that's fucked up. Yeah. Um. But anyway, they have the party. 
and it's really weird ass party because everyone's like talking to him like i think he he calls he calls uh rod or whatever this tsa agent and he's like these people are clearly acting like they've never seen a a a, a black man who doesn't work for them yeah and then rod immediately jumps to sex yeah he's like oh they're gonna fucking turn you into a sex slave man like but it is weird because, like, they are yeah. watching him. Like, they're all, like, staring at yeah. him. And they're all, Very like, you know, kind way. of appraising him in a way. It's strange. Um, yeah. And then he sees another uh, another black guy. And he's like, oh, thank God. Like, can relate to this guy being, like, the only black man around. Yeah. Um, he must kind of vaguely understand. So he goes up to this guy. But then this guy is, like, yeah. not... This guy is actually the same guy from the first Yeah, yeah, we've seen this guy earlier. We saw this guy get kidnapped when the movie started. Yeah. So this guy's being really weird. Um, And he... Yeah. He's, like, not on the level. Like, he's not relating at all to Chris, even though Chris is, like, throwing out all these, like, you know, like, uh, 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 ways to relate to him. He's trying to be like, you know, what's up? And then even at the end of the conversation, he tries to, like, fist bump him. And the guy like shakes his. Yeah, and then he like yeah, really that's weird. Really weird. And, then, like, <laughs> and the way he care, it's just really creepy interaction. So, and then finally, Chris is like, "This guy's really weird. I'm gonna take a picture of this guy and send a picture of it to 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 Rod, my best friend." Yeah, but well, actually, you missed the part where he steep where. Oh yeah, that's Root. right. So he, well yeah, the what? So guy. you tell him about Stephen Root. Okay, so Stephen Root, you know, best known maybe for playing Milton in Office Space. Yeah, or uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Dotrieve on King of the Hill, the greatest animated yeah, TV um, show besides Scooby-Doo of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll just uh, leave that there. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so also he, he ha- has this conversation with this blind guy who 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 knows him because you know this guy is a uh, an art Steven dealer Root is yeah the blind guy yeah um and he knows uh Chris because Chris is a photographer and you know somehow despite being blind he's like you have a really good yeah, eye yeah he like he knows <laughs> that he's a good a... photographer now yeah yeah which is a very strange thing to say it is very strange <laughs> thing to say but yeah i mean um at least this guy is weird, but he's like at least he actually like talks to Chris. Yeah, he talks like, to Chris like a normal person. He's like, he's yeah, the, he's the old first person to vaguely humanize him. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he meets him, and has a weird conversation with him about his eye and blind art dealing, and then he goes and yeah. he decides he's going to take a picture of uh, uh uh this other uh guy, the only other black guy around. Um. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the what are they calling him? Do you remember? I can't I can't anyway, remember what they're calling so him. He he tries to sneak a picture of him. Yeah. But like a fucking like dumbass. Dumb you know, he forgets to he turn forgets. the flash off. What yeah, kind of photographer exactly. is he? Exactly. He's a well he because he's using his phone, you know, he's used to using his uh his uh DSLR right, yeah, 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 yeah. Canon with yeah, his exactly. long ass fucking lens. So yeah, he but yeah, so he snaps a photo of him with the with the flash on and the flash sets off this guy whose nose starts to bleed and he freaks out and runs at Chris and starts screaming at him to get out get out 
So it's yeah. it's the title of like the film. Like the name of the movie. Um, <laughs> so that's intriguing. Yeah. So they drag him away. They drag the guy who's freaking out away from Chris. And then, like, uh, the father explains that it was a seizure. Um, but the because whole... Because the father is conveniently a neurosurgeon. He's a neurosurgeon. Yeah, yeah. Which might come up later. <laughs> might come up later. Um, <laughs> so he's like, don't worry, it was a seizure. Uh, you should go home and get some rest. So the other guy leaves. But Chris is like, this is fucked. I'm, you know, I'm out. This is not. Yeah. This is freaking me out. I'm going home. And Rose is like, I'm down. I'm with you. You know, I'm sorry. This is so bad. Let's go. So yeah. as they're getting ready to go, he sends the Rod a, the picture of the guy, right? Yeah. And Rod is like, hey, that's this other guy who's been missing forever. For six you know, months or whatever. For six months. Yeah. 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 That's definitely this other guy. Yeah. It's so like, but he doesn't dress like that. He doesn't sound like that. Yeah, you like know, this something's is up, man. Some, something's up. So just as this information comes to light, just as the shit comes to light, fucking his phone dies. Right. And he's like, so now Chris is freaking the hell out, and he's like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's get out. And then he, so he's like packing up his shit, and then he opens up the closet and he finds oh. a shoebox. And he's like, what's in here? So he starts going through here, there, and there's, like, a bunch of photos of his girlfriend, Rose, who up until this point has been, like, the only, like, yeah. redeemable character uh, uh, around yeah. him who's, like, been on his side, basically. Oh, yeah, and earlier on, he she had mentioned, this is important, she had mentioned that he was her first black boyfriend, like, the first time she'd ever dated a black man, um, yes. which is why he was so nervous about her parents' reaction yeah. in the first place. Um, so then he's going through the shoebox and he, he starts flipping through photos and he's like, holy shit, this is a bunch of photos of Rose with a bunch of black men. Like they're dating and they're like selfies. It's like, she lied to me. Like who are all yeah. these people? And then the last guy, I believe I might be mistaken cause I'm bad with faces, but the last picture is the guy who was the groundskeeper who was being yeah. really weird. Walt or whatever. Walt, yeah. So yeah. he's like, oh, okay, this is, she's fucked, this is fucked, this is all fucked, I need to go. So there's a whole, he's trying to leave, and there's a whole confrontation um, in the front where she finally flips on him and is like, nah, you're not, you're not going oh, anywhere. She, yeah, she's like, you know, I can't find the keys, I can't find the keys, but then we find out she's fucking a liar. She's a liar, she has the keys the whole time, yeah. and she's like she's in on it yeah so and then how do they knock him out she uses Catherine keener's uh uses the the tea oh the teacup yeah because the this she, is this is the the whatchamacallit what do you call that hip, oh the hypnotic uh, uh uh trigger it's uh what do you yeah there's a word for it because they literally said it in this movie whatever doesn't matter it's a hypnotic yeah. trigger uh but has rod already been so yeah. like well, yeah so when she taps the 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 the, the teacup he passes out um so they do that yeah. and he wakes up and he's in a creepy ass basement like rec room um with a ping pong table and a foosball yeah meanwhile oh yeah so meanwhile okay so meanwhile rod has been you know found this new the new shit has come to light you know, with this... Yeah, Rod is freaked out. Yeah, so Rod is like, oh shit, uh, what the fuck has happened to my friend? He's not He's not answering his phone. He's been gone for two days. Uh, they were supposed to come back, yeah, exactly, two days ago. So he goes to the police, and he's like, I have new information. Uh, this guy, my friend is missing. Uh, 
Because he's been kidnapped by a bunch of old Yeah, they're going to make him into a sex slave. <laughs> and they're going to turn him into a sex slave. I mean, it's not um, as silly as that. It actually is a bit more reasonable when you watch the scene. But yeah, that's bad. that is what happens. Well, but I mean, like that the way that's how the cops react when when yeah, he says that. Yeah, they laugh at him. They laugh him out of the out of the station. So the cops, the the cops laugh laugh him out of the station. Um, even after he he shows that uh, the other guy who's been missing for six months was there. Yeah, that that's the kind of the, in this movie that's probably the biggest like suspension suspension of disbelief moment, where it's like he does kind of have evidence of like a guy who's been missing has like popped up you think they yeah. probably take him seriously at that like i get he didn't broach the topic amazingly well but well actually there's um i think th- i think there's a very specific reason why uh peel wrote it that way that's uh and he it, it has to do with uh apparently this is an actual statistic that like uh well, uh black people make up 30% of all missing people, missing persons cases, but 16% yeah, of yeah, the population. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I was just about to say. Is like, I think I think the fact that the police, like, didn't pay attention was part of the whole thing. Like, the, the relationship with the police yeah, is, well, that is was the part, part they were obviously to make. part of the whole yeah. movie. Which, again, we'll talk about in part two, because that's yeah. all a whole thing about this movie. And, you know. Oh, yeah, so he, 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 he gets left at the station. Um... But he's still on the on the case, you know. He's not. He's not done. He's on the case, you know, because he's 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 got detective. Yeah, he's trick. a TSA, he's TSA agent. agent. Um, yeah, he, he's yeah, you know, sometimes shit. even more than the police officers because you know terrorists and shit. <laughs> you know, sometimes we yeah, don't want the terrorists and shit. Um, so so then, yeah. uh, Chris comes comes uh, 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 he comes too, in the in the basement rec room, like I said, with a ping pong table and a foosball table and it's all surreal and shit and the old tv yeah there's like an old school tv and a, a, a buck like uh the head of a buck on the wall with massive horns and shit um just like the buck they almost ran over at the beginning or they did run over at the beginning of the film right and yeah. then uh the tv starts playing and it's this weird surreal creepy ass commercial for like what's it, it's not exactly clear what did they call it? The something procedure? Or I forget. Something? Yeah, exactly uh. what they called it. It was it had a weird name. And the the video features uh, Rose's grandfather, um, and he's talking about how their their secret order has been trying to like come up with this specific thing for a while, but he's it, it's not exactly clear what this thing is. So he's like, uh, I don't know exactly what's going on. Coagula. Coagula. That's what it is. Gross name. Yeah, so gross. then, the TV he the the, the TV plays a a, tea, a teacup and he passes out again. So then and then yeah. he wakes up later, uh, and Stephen Root comes on the TV right, and Stephen Root is in like a hospital gown and he's pixelated and weird, and Stephen Root basically explains the whole film to us. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, he's like, so we're gonna take part of my brain. And it's gonna be put into your We're brain. Jam it into your head. <laughs> and you know, so you know, you're gonna kind of still be in there a little bit, like you know, but you know, I'm gonna be in control. Yeah. I'm gonna take over your body, basically. Uh, so it's it's kind of like the Guagul in Stargate. Stargate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so you're just gonna be kind of sitting there, seeing everything that's happening, but I'm gonna be in control. 
Yeah, you'll be in the sunken place. You're, you'll that. be in the sunken place, which is the thing they showed earlier. But uh, yeah, yeah. But we're gonna cut your head open, and we're gonna put my brain inside your brain, and it's gonna be like a big brain thing. Yeah. So it becomes clear that like that other guy had that happen to him. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's what's been. Ha- that's why all the like all the people were acting really weird. Yeah, yeah, they've been, so they're like, why, he's like, does he ask, like, why is it, like, why black people at the point? Yeah, no, 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 actually, I think this is also one of the really funny bits of the movie, where he's basically like, you know, why black people? And yeah. he's like, I don't I don't really actually know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Stephen Root is like, I don't know. <laughs> this why is basically doesn't... like, why not? <laughs> why not? But, I mean, he's like, I don't really care. I just want your eyes. Yeah, I just want your <laughs> eyes. Mess. So yeah. he's Yeah, he's slightly um, removed. But they, they seem to go after black people for a different reason. But Yeah. Like, they're basically like, oh, you know, some people, you know, think they're more, like, athletic or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's basically... I, I like, think the whole point is this Jesse Owens thing. Yeah, it's just, like, all comes back to this, like, weird eugenics thing of, like, uh, and, like, DNA, uh, uh, uh. I don't think they went into that much detail, but yeah. basically I think the idea is that, you know, because he was so humiliated that he lost to Jesse Owens, he was like, you know, I need to become a black man to win or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what's going on. Um, so in uh, 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 a genius move to avoid getting uh, knocked out again by the uh, the hypnotic trigger... Uh, Chris smartly stuffs his ear full of the the shredded chair bits from... I take issue with this scene. Of course. How did he move his... How did he get his hands to his ears? Well, he put his head down to his hands. (laughs) Oh, did he? They don't show it, but yeah. To get it balled up, to get that much in your... I don't know. It seems... Here, I'm sitting. It, it was a good idea, but I, I, I think they should have showed it on screen yeah. because I, otherwise I'm left kind of disbelieving. Okay, here, I'm sitting in a chair very similar to the one he was. Uh, but are your hands restrained? No, they're not restrained, but I'm going to keep them down and I'm going to try and just like, just, I'm just going to try and do it. Like, and, I mean, maybe, I don't know, was his body restrained at all? Well, I yeah, that's, a, I don't think it was, but if his shoulders were restrained at all, then you can't do it, but. That'd be impossible. But if your shoulders, if it's just like your arm, like your wrists and your ankles that are restrained, then uh, you could absolutely, I could see it happening. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, he takes some fluff out of the chair and sticks it in his ear so he can't hear the fucking teacup. Exactly. Yeah. So he does it. And so he, then he pretends, he pretends to get knocked out. He pretends out. to get, become unconscious. So then uh, the son, the creepiest character of of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Armistead, whatever it was, family. Armitage family. Armitage, Armitage. Um, he comes in in a weird, a creepy pair of scrubs, uh, and he comes to to. Yeah, because the procedure's already begun. Oh, in the other room, the procedure. Yeah, t- it's, has it's, begun. It's, they, yeah. it's getting people are getting cut up. Stephen Root's uh, brain is exposed. They show it to you on camera. Yeah. It's exposed. It, it, it's it's awesome. getting kind of kind of Cronenbergian in there. Yeah, it does get a little bit Cronenbergian. So then. Uh, Chris is like, no, I'm not unconscious, and he uh, beats in the son's head with a uh, a, a bocce ball or something. Pool ball. Was it a po- oh, bocce ball or a pool ball? Okay, I guess it's a bocce ball, actually. So it was a big ball. 
big. I think it was bocce ball because they mentioned bocce ball. Yeah, earlier. bocce or lawn bowling or something like that. I don't know. Just because I, also I feel like a bocce ball is heavier than a pool. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it'd be much easier to beat someone's head in with a with a bocce ball than a pool. Yeah. Not that a pool ball is light. Like I think. Oh, you, you could, could do, do it. it with both, but but it wouldn't be yeah, as easy. Yeah, I'm reaching for the bocce ball if I if I if I need to defend myself oh, with yeah. one. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, he does that, and then he's like, okay, and then it it, it cuts to the father who's cutting the skull open. And he's like, okay, where's my transplant? Like, where's uh, Jeremy with the transplant? So he goes and he looks out the hall, and he's like, what the fuck? He looks to the left, nothing. He looks to the right, nothing. He looks back to the left. And then he gets impaled with a fucking deer head. <laughs> yeah, looks back to the left, and then fucking deer horn in the throat. Fuck yeah. He gets stabbed yeah. to death. Yeah, a lot of people are getting killed at this point. Yeah, it gets really violent. Awesome. This is the point in the movie where I was starting to think, I think he's getting arrested at the end of the movie. <laughs> that would have been such a good <laughs> ending, honestly. Like <laughs> that. Well, yeah. We'll talk about this yeah, yeah, yeah. later. But there there was yeah. multiple endings that were yeah. conceived. Yeah, so he stabs him, stabs him in the throat. He dies, knocks a candle over. Candle catches yeah. Stephen Root's bed on fire. Yeah. So Chris is escaping. He's about to get out the door, but it turns out Jeremy survived the beating. Oh, no, sorry. I missed the fight with uh, Catherine Keener. Catherine yeah, Keener? He... <laughs> Where she tries to teacup him, and then he smashes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he tries to teacup him, he smashes it, and then they like get into a struggle, and he ends up stabbing her to death. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because he got stabbed yeah, through the he, hand, Yeah, she like, stabs him with like a letter opener Which fully through the hand. Which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah anyway. it's not, not a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> but, uh... And then... Uh, uh, and then he continues, yeah. gets attacked again by uh, Jeremy. Jeremy yeah, attacks him. Um, he kills Jeremy, stomps his face in, um, takes his keys. Yeah. Surprised that Jeremy's not already dead, to be honest. Yeah, cool they just needed earlier, him but, to come back know. for this this bit. But. Yeah. Uh, and then he yeah he gets in the car and starts to drive and then away. He hits, he hits uh, the, the, maid, the lady. maid lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and then he's like, "Oh my God, um, I'm I know I shouldn't, yeah, but I'm gonna really go back shouldn't. for her." <laughs> but he goes back for her, um, which is weird yeah. that he does that. And he picks her up, puts her in the car, and as he's driving, well, I don't know. Maybe he's yeah, thinking yeah, maybe I can yeah. save her. I mean, her it's or all fair, you know? fair. Maybe I can un, un- remove, yeah, undo I the mean, brain. Yeah, he's thing. trying to save her. Yeah. Also, I I like the touch that they have here, where you can kind of yeah, see the got, scars on like, their head. Scars on their forehead, permanent scars. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So he then he uh, uh, he, she comes back too while she's sitting in the car, and she freaks out and attacks him. Yeah. The car. Car crashes. crashes. There's a big fight. Uh, oh yeah. Meanwhile, his girlfriend, or I suppose. I guess she's still his girlfriend. They didn't break up quite yet. Yeah, there was no, no official breakup. <laughs> they didn't still, officially break up. Still but... technically together. <laughs> but she... uh, so she's she... sitting there, fucking drinking milk and listening to the dirty dancing song. Like, yeah, fucking... she's being really creepy, looking for her next. Uh, yeah, her next stalking people on Facebook the... or whatever, looking for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some... looking for what if she googles uh, NCAA prospects? Oh God. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. I think she she hears something going on and she goes she after them. She hears a commotion. Yeah. She shoots at them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She shoots at him and then Walt also shows up and starts fucking shooting people. I think shooting at him. Yeah, and then it's revealed that those are her grandparents, the the maid and the and Walt. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, Walt is the guy who lost to Jesse Owens. Yeah, well, and he, which is funny because he was running earlier, so it all, you know. Yeah. You know, it all you comes know. together. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, he's 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 about to get shot by Walt, and I guess also his Rose. Um, and yeah. then and then he's like, "Wait, I know a thing!" And so he pulls out his phone and he shoots a picture with the flash on. <laughs> Genius. And um, so Walt goes crazy, I guess, because his like the actual Walt has kind of taken control for a minute. Yeah, he has he has his and moment. And then he shoots Rose and then himself. Smart move, Walt. <laughs> yeah. Um and for some reason Rose isn't dead. Yeah, so she she's not dead. So he goes to choke Rose to death because he's so angry at her. Um yeah, but then, then he's this like this is where we see the police siren. Yeah, he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to choke you to death. And then, yeah, the police siren comes in, and he's like, oh, Yeah, and then he fuck. puts his hands he puts his hands up, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm about to get arrested. I'm going to get arrested for murdering and then, all these people. And then the door opens on the car, and then you realize it says airport on it. It says airport, and it's run. It's a TSA. Because it's a TSA car, not a cop car. It just not looks a like a cop car. Fuck and yeah. so it was like fake out, and the rod is like, "Come on, man, I saved you." You know, TSA, we mother, we, uh, what is it? TS motherfucking A. Hey, we are TS motherfucking A. <laughs> we get shit done. We handle shit. Yeah, we handle shit. <laughs> handled. Anyway, and then that's it. Shit handled. So yeah, that's a that's a. So, what are your initial thoughts? Um. Yeah. No. Like I, I thought this was a pretty good movie. Like uh, the thing the. The biggest compliment I can give it is that, um, like, unlike a lot of horror movies, which are very, very predictable, I did not see all the twists and turns coming. No. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't say, like, you know, necessarily there was, like, a twist or anything like that, but, like, you know. It was a reveal. Yeah, no, but there were a lot of, like, little things that happened, I think. Like, uh, there wasn't, like, one, you know, big twist moment. Oh, yeah, one big moment. moment. Yeah, it kind of slowly evolved. It became clearer and clearer, and then they pulled the... Yeah, so, like, away. Uh, I was kind of glad that I didn't, like, uh, look that heavily into this movie. Um, didn't get anything ruined for me, so I really had no idea what was going on. Yeah, that and, was good. Uh, the time I watched it, I had the same thing. Um, so, yeah, no, like, uh, really good movie keeps you guessing. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I mean, I will say that, like, uh, I didn't notice that, I didn't realize Rose was going to be evil until I saw the shoebox. Yeah, yeah, me too. I had no that idea. That was totally out of nowhere for me. That was a huge, uh, huge fucking uh, blindside. Exactly. Really well written by Jordan Peele, who we will talk about uh, a bit more next episode, but who uh, directed this film, wrote and directed this film. What was I going to say? God damn it. <laughs> I, I, I can't no, tell you, you can't. what you were going to say. <laughs> so... This this film's super uh, interesting because of its uh, 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 its box office versus its budget. Oh yeah, no no, this was a uh, was like five million dollars. Four point five. Four and a half. Yeah, million it was an unbelievable yeah. like uh, uh, profit success. Like they only spent. Oh yeah. So absolutely. The, the production company Blumhouse Productions wasn't the only production company, but there's three uh, a few. But Blumhouse. Um, I was reading they don't make any films for less than five million dollars. <laughs> you mean for more than five million dollars? Oh yes, for sorry, for more than five million dollars. That's what the like one of their uh, uh, like the president or whatever. 
said about well i mean i think that that's a really good recipe for success you know (laughs) like yeah yeah you know if you just make a bunch of movies and don't make them for that much money a couple of them are gonna be good yeah (laughs) and it made 255.4 million which is pretty amazing that's a lot of money um, and the other thing, what was that? the other thing he was saying was that like they don't, no one makes money off the budget. You make money if the movie makes money, right? If yeah, that, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, so no one gets like paid off the budget. The budget only goes to like, like you're saying, the, movie. the the company doesn't make money on the budget because I mean, obviously, like you know, you need to pay like the fucking, you know, the first ac and the catering yeah, crew yeah, and all those people yeah, they make not, money but like the people yeah. make their salaries but like yeah. there's no like profit off of the yeah, people exactly. in the yeah. involved yeah i don't know the one thing that like stood out to me that i thought was like kind of weird was like uh the whole bit with uh, uh steven root's character talking about like his eye which is like weird given that they spend like zero time establishing that he's a good photographer yeah i feel like there was like (laughs) like he just kind of like walks around with a camera and i guess we're supposed to guess like oh this guy's a photographer yeah they just kind of like they don't show any of his photographs they don't even at the beginning yeah they don't show any of his photographs they don't have him like you know on the phone with like you know some client or something i don't know like yeah you know. exactly they don't do anything to establish that he's a photographer they don't do anything to establish that which is kind of weird besides but, show him know. with a camera yeah and they, like they show him carrying a camera like, like they show that he i guess and you don't even get like yeah you get that he's a photo <laughs> but how do we know that that's just not his hobby exactly right? you get that like, he's a photo enthusiast but like we don't get that like he's a good photographer we should be like that he's like exactly. a gallery like yeah i don't know maybe that just got cut well, that's what i was like, thinking there must have been more to it like there must have been stuff yeah. that we missed because like steven root talks like he's like oh man you're so good you're so talented yeah, like you're this great photographer like, are we supposed to take his word for that like apparently yeah because we don't ever see any of his yeah. fucking photographs except for the one he we see the well, one i mean he took neither of, has he. of uh the guy yeah but that was just one yeah, we saw phone. that one though <laughs> this is one where he's trying to be he was trying to hide yeah, it exactly uh, but anyway, what was I going to say? Like, I mean, I guess Stephen Root hasn't seen any of them either. No, because he's fucking blind. Yeah. Yeah, kind of interesting thing, uh, him having bad eyesight in this movie, too. <laughs> that just is like funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he just needed the right prescription in this film, and it would have been... Maybe it's the same character. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, God, no. It's well, no, not. because <laughs> Stephen Root got... Um, how do you think he paid for it? After after he did that beach vacation, vacation he became an art dealer. Oh, he became an art dealer. I don't know. He doesn't have the voice though. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you don't like you don't lose that uh, stammer like the money. Easily. Money gave him confidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> between line, with the red wing. I'd like to, I'd like to I'd like to put your I'd like to put your brain inside my. Brain. Yeah, it was it was cool seeing. Uh, you know, previous brain, people featured on the podcast, as well as <laughs> Catherine Keener, uh, for example. I'm going to put my brain inside your brain, and it's going to be like one big brain. I'm going to get to your eyes. Put your eyes. I'm going to put your eyes into my eyes so that I can have them. Okay, now let's um, move on. Yeah, that's sorry, that's so much fun. All right, should we just get on to how they feel it? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about how they shot it. All 
Let's talk about how they shot it. How did they shoot it? Uh, well, I'm gonna tell you. But before we get there, uh, let's just, you know, give credit where credit is due. Where it is due. We got director of photography, Toby Oliver. Toby. And, uh, we have Bobby Arnold, uh, who is first assistant camera. Bobby Arnold. Uh, New York unit. New York unit? Yes. And then we have, um... Brian Udoff, who is the first assistant camera Los Angeles unit. <laughs> Los Angeles unit. And some of the Alabama reshoots. There's a bunch of different crews, I think, that worked on this movie because they shot in different locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Troy Wagner is the first assistant camera, I guess, for the most of it, I guess? Yeah, it was, most of it was not shot. Like the New York. Most of it was uh, in Alabama, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it. I yeah. noticed that, like, the first thing I noticed, like, from, like, the first couple of shots. Yeah. Just about how it looked is that the, like, the depth of field is super deep. Like, the focus is super deep. Like. Like, you can see a lot. I mean, definitely in the first shot. In the very first shot, you can see the whole fucking street. Yeah. But, like, the, I, I was, I kind of, yeah. I noticed it in the first shot. And then I was just kind of, like, paying attention to it, like, for the rest of the film. Yeah. And it just kind of seemed like the whole movie it was all super, like. Uh, deep focus I know I mean yeah there's definitely some shots that are like that but I, I definitely did notice a lot that was uh, sort of a little bit blurrier yeah well I guess the close ups and like that's particularly the close up yeah. of him uh, uh, strapped to the chair or yeah. that uh, that shot of yeah. him being hypnotized, which has become like the image of this film. The shot of him like cr- crying oh where he's got the two like tears I wonder if they like if they had to like apply that to him, I don't know. I guess they had, or maybe do you think they just like you know shook an onion in front of his face? I don't know. Some actors can do that, <laughs> like pull those out of nowhere. No, but I mean his eyes look so red. Yeah, they probably irritated them with something like onion. I'm swear, I swear they just cut a, a two onion. They cut over an onion and a half, put a chaff in front of an eye, just like <laughs> chopped it in front of them. Like, All right, well that's how. Yeah, good to know how you would do it. You know that's how I would do it. <laughs> But um, does your uh, actor have to sign have a information. sign a waiver? If a release? Well, I mean, you probably explain it to them and be like, "Are you okay with those?" You get some. Get, we got to get that in written consent, man. You can't. But I mean, like, far worse has been done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, I mean, like, remember when we talked about the uh, Sergio Leone movies? Yeah, I mean, well, that I was just thinking. That's immediately where my mind went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's no chance of actually like hurting somebody. You no, know? well, but anyway. So, what do you think? Do you think this was shot on film, or do you think it was digital? Digital. And you're right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it would have been kind of just imp- impractical. I feel like. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, also, especially you know, given um, Jordan Peele, this is his first time directing. Yeah, exactly. We, we didn't mention that earlier, but this is his his first directorial directorial debut. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about all his career and everything a little bit more next week. But, but yeah, so this was uh, a digital process, but was it anamorphic or spherical? I don't think it was anamorphic. No, it was not. Okay, it had the uh, cinemascope ratio, but it was not actually anamorphic. Okay. So, wait, so it had the cinemascope ratio, but it wasn't anamorphic. Yes. So it had a big-ass ratio. Well, it was, yeah, basically it was crop top and bottom. Yeah, right, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. To make it wide. It right. was quite wide. Yes. 
which, according to uh, cinematographer Toby Oliver, was just because um, he thinks that uh, that's just more cinematic and that uh, the taller ratios look too much like TV to him. That's fair. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it. Uh, so, But he has some interesting uh, things to say in this interview, which I read oh, yeah. uh, in Cinelix. Was the publication okay? Cinelinks, sorry, Cinelinks. Cinelinks is the publication. Is the publication? Uh, he was interviewed about uh, several things, and he was so this. He was saying about the budget that he was actually really comfortable shooting with a um, a four and a half million dollar budget because he is Australian. Okay, and apparently four and a half million, around five million dollars, is like the average budget for an Australian movie. <laughs> Perfect that. Uh so um he didn't have uh, any trouble doing that. Perfect guy to hire. Yeah, he also was saying how it was interesting that they they shot this movie entirely with zoom lenses. Interesting. Interesting. Um which was not something he was used to, but apparently this was something that was done specifically because of Jordan Peele's sort of inexperience, as it were. What do you mean? So what is it? Basically, uh, he was saying, uh, in prep, I took Jordan into a rental house to have a look at some lenses on camera and get an idea of what he might like to use. Being a first-time director, his experience with gear and technicalities of filmmaking was limited. I demonstrated some cool vintage prime lenses and the classic Cook S4s, along with the ingenue zooms. As soon as Jordan saw the zooms, he said these were what he felt more comfortable with, and I was happy with that if it was easier for him to get his head around. While I had not shot a feature entirely on zooms before, I liked the look of the ingenues. I think they are very cinematic with a certain amount of warmth and character. So why do you think he felt more comfortable with the zooms? Or what makes them more... Well, because, you know, I think, you know... This is kind of, uh, every time I've sort of, uh, shown somebody like, you know, my old cameras or whatever, they're like, or I'm like, Hey, do you want to take a picture of me? Uh, or like, can you take a picture of me or right. whatever? Right. So I pan them my film camera. They always ask, okay, how do I zoom? Oh, right. People like to be able to, without fail, everybody always asks me, people this. like to be able to zoom. Well, because see, yeah, people so like to be I, able to frame like, without. It's it's a lot more complicated to change your framing without a zoom lens. Yeah, well, if you have a like, you either need to change the lens or you need to move. Yeah, you need to readjust the whole shot. So I guess with a zoom lens, you can just like. You can just turn the knob and it right. zooms in. So yeah, I think it's just because like you know now in this you know modern age like everybody's got you know zoom on their phone right yeah although i've i don't really ever use a zoom on my phone i'm terrible at using it well that's because the zoom on the phone is not an actual optical zoom as Fucking we know digital, it's terrible yeah yeah uh but anyway that's not uh, what we're about. <laughs> uh but anyway yeah no i i just thought that that was uh interesting that uh you know that is interesting with zoom because the whole thing is uh, so it's easier I just like that that point about yeah, but like there's not actually even that many zoom sh- like shots where the lens zooms in the movie. No, I mean there's a few, but it's just they use zoom lenses because that's what he was comfortable with. So okay, uh, let's talk about the sunken place. Okay, 
which is the place he goes to in the film when he gets hypnotized and where he's going to go when he gets, you know, taken over. The most surreal shot in the film. Uh, let's talk about how uh, how uh, Toby Oliver explains it. Okay, how does he explain it? Because it's not really what I thought, although it makes sense. Yeah, so he says, uh, The sunken place is realized very close to the original concept ideas. While Jordan didn't want the character to actually look like he is underwater per se, I had the idea to use the technique of shooting dry for wet. Normally used to simulate deep underwater on a dry stage used in movies like The Abyss. Sick. We shot the an- the actor hanging on a wire. Um, on Did a he story. work on The Abyss? No, he didn't. Okay. Uh, we shot the actor hanging on a wire rig in slow motion, in our case at 200 FPS, and had fans blowing to ripple his clothes. Then had the camera dolly uh, past him to suggest the idea of falling. The wire rig was fairly static, so I had the camera move around the actor to create movement. The drifting particles and the glowing screen were cleverly added in post-visual effects. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. When I saw that, I assumed that it was all some sort of like weird VFX shot, but it seems like a lot of it was just like them on i guess a black background like uh moving yeah, just, cameras around just, and blowing shit on him they just dangled him <laughs> yeah um yeah it was it's actually pretty funny um because so what uh uh jordan peele said about it we have him hanging from a wire uh it's very cirque du soleil um <laughs> we did the scene for a whole day and it was very physically draining for daniel we did we did very physical physically exhaust shoots on Key and Peel, so I felt a nice advantage with the actors uh, when they had to do something uncomfortable or boring. Just knowing where people's mental states are, it was good for me to have been in, been in a similar rig before and know how uncomfortable it is. Right? Is there a particular sketch that he did that? Like, um, did... I I looked for one, I couldn't find it, but we'll talk about it more. We're gonna talk about Key and Peel a bit next week, so I'll I'll do a bit yeah, more I research. And try find that sketch where he's dangling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's he's dangled before in slightly different context, apparently. Okay. So he knows he knows not to leave his actors dangling for too long. And yeah, so one more thing uh, that comes from this same interview is that uh, Toby was asked uh, basically if he approaches uh, because there's such a comedy and dramatic like they're kind of both thrown in together in this movie he was asked like which we will crack open with a hammer and suck out the juices in the next episode yeah so he was asked if he takes if he like uh, if there's any different approach you know to filming the dramatic scenes versus the comedic scenes and uh, basically his answer was uh, not really. Uh, e- in the case of Get Out, we wanted the whole movie to feel cohesive and consistent, even when the mood changes from drama to thriller to horror to comedy. So it was approached similarly. If I was shooting a straight-up comedy, though, I would approach it differently to a horror. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird question almost. Why would you say that? Well, I just mean, like, of course they didn't, like... I mean, maybe not. Well, no, you might like you know. I guess it depends on when the question was asked. I mean, there's I was, the, there's I was, the, like, I was the classic. Uh, I I can't remember who said this, but somebody once said something like, you know, 
Like tragedy is a close up and comedy is a wide shot. I have heard that. Yeah, we've talked we've brought that up before, I think, but I can't remember who said that, but there definitely is a different approach is what Yeah, I'm yeah. I was just I more meant like uh I was the context I was imagining was the person asking the question had already seen the film, but that might not necessarily be true. So, you know, that's that's uh, hopefully that explains how how they um how they put together what you see on screen. But what about what you hear? What about what you hear? How do they do the music? Well, the soundtrack was very important deal for the beginning, I think, and that is kind of evident um, by the by the fact that this movie got like a huge soundtrack release, um, including a, a vinyl with a, a green marble LP, uh, which. Uh, I believe you told me that you know decreases the sound quality when you when you do it like that. But uh, actually, did I say that? Might not have been you. I feel like somebody told me that. Because that's actually not true. Oh, interesting. In fact, it's probably the well, opposite. Well, because I was just because they they dye it, don't they? Yes. So it's actually more raw. Okay, let me let me let you in on. Well, yes, because chances are uh, black vinyl is made from some proportion... I don't, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but this used to definitely be the case, that uh, black vinyl is made uh, with a lot of recycled vinyl in it. Yeah, a lot of melted-down records. Yes. So I don't know if that is still the case, because I don't know. I don't think that, that many people are recycling vinyl anymore. But um, so as a result, uh, basically the strands, like the polymers on the record, they break down eventually, and, and you end up with... Um, a record that has more surface noise on it. Gotcha. Yeah. However, so you can't recycle re- vinyl that isn't black. Right. Because the colors So green marble's all... fresh. Exactly. So any colored vinyl is going to be fresh vinyl. It won't be recycled. Right. And it's un- untreated, undyed, and... Un- well, it's dyed, but I mean, so is black vinyl. Like, what right. color do you think okay. vinyl is? <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's clear. So clear vinyl should be the best sound quality. The best audio quality. The yeah, best audio right. quality should about... be clear vinyl. I forgot about clear vinyl, so of course there's a... Yeah, it's clear. Yes. But yeah, so the point is of all this is that it w- it, ga- it got this huge release, and he wrote this essay that had like basically went into more, tons more detail about the f- the, s- the audio or the soundtrack's connection to the film and its importance to the movie. Right. Um, I, I tried to find the essay, couldn't find it, uh, didn't want to go too deep digging because it would probably be an illegal way to find it, and I can't afford the LP, so there you go. If you want to know what he says, go buy the LP. Um, <laughs> what if you buy it? Do you have to buy the LP to get the, the thing, or...? Uh, I don't actually know. I didn't look up if they get, if they give you the liner notes, a, a digital download, or a... a yeah. A, a CD or whatever. I would assume yeah. not. It's a special right. to the vinyl, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's why you buy the vinyl. Yeah, exactly. That because all the extra shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, about the soundtrack, he said, this is from Splinter News. Um, Peel worked with, a c- with composer Michael Abels to create a score that was distinctly black but that was sonically and lyrically different from African-American music, tends to have a, quote, a glimmer of hope to it. 
Um, he goes on to say, quote, I was into this idea of distinct... Wait, he's saying that African-American music has a glamour vocal? Yeah, his point was that he wanted okay. he wanted it to be totally black, but he didn't want it to have any hope. But his, his concern was that most African-American music, or most African music, um, either, both have, like, uh, glimmers of hope. And that was not what he wanted. <laughs> right. So he says, quote, I was at this idea of a distinct of distinctly black voices and black musical references. So it's got some African influences and some bluesy things going on, but in a scary way, um, which you never really hear. Um, I wanted Michael Abels, who did the score, to create something that felt like it lived in this absence of hope, but still had black roots. And I said to him, you have to avoid voodoo sounds, too. So he had a very uh, he was very. A very he wanted a very specific. Yeah, he thing. knew what he wanted, uh, and I think he got it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I do mean, you have the the opening track for? I ha- I do. I do. Um, I was about to say like I don't know if he completely avoided like voodoo motifs, but I mean I guess it's like yeah, play. What exactly makes something? Yeah. Movie? So that's that's the main track for the soundtrack, which is called Sikilisa Kawahenga. Um, oh, wow, you nailed that. Thank you. <laughs> 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 never that's never happened before. Which so that's a Swahili phrase, which translates to "listen to your ancestors" or "listen to the ancestors." Um, and according to Jordan Peele, uh, in an interview that he gave with GQ. Uh, the rest of the lyrics of the song are, so they go brother, brother uh, in English, and then in something to the effect of uh, watch your back, something's coming and it ain't good. Um, and that's what that was a quote from, from Peel. Watch your uh, back, well, something's coming and it ain't good. pretty much describes the whole movie. Exactly. Um, and someone else described it as like, uh, there's something coming, uh, run. Mm. Right, yeah, yeah. So. Get out. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. So there's definitely some. There's the bluesy stuff and the the the. Uh, I don't know about the voodoo stuff. I don't really know what what counts. Yeah, as exactly. What I don't know what exactly voodoo makes music. voodoo music voodoo music. <laughs> so I don't know. But like, but I mean, I would definitely say like you know there might be like some Caribbean influences, right? Is all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it's like 
It's quite an original sounding soundtrack. Yeah, no, though. it definitely doesn't sound like uh what actually what was I gonna say? Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't sound like uh, a lot of doesn't sound like any other horror movie necessarily. And it's totally it's reminiscent of things, but yeah, yeah. it's 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 it is singular. But yeah, like you said, it also very uh not the most horror of soundtrack. Well, I mean, I'm not saying like it's not a good horror soundtrack, but what I'm saying is it's it's oh, different no, no, yeah, yeah. from what you would expect. Not necessarily a conventional uh, exactly. uh, way to go exactly. about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so finally, on the music, uh, they had the uh, the childish Gambino song "Redbone" in there. It's a good song. I like that song. Um, and that's apparently a, a, a relatively uh, that was chosen specifically. Oh yeah, I know this um, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to remind myself what it was. So Peel said, quote, well, first of all, oh, this is from Hip Hop DX, by the way. He said, quote, well, first of all, I love the way, I love the stay woke lyric. That's what this movie is about. I wanted to make sure that this movie satisfied the black horror movie audience's need for characters to be smart and do things that intelligent, observant people would do. So I thought that was an interesting intelligent, connection. Intelligent, observant people them. like Rod the TSA agent? Like Rod the TSA agent. <laughs> intelligent, observant people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so apparently he like uh, he was a huge fan of of uh, uh, Donald Glover, right? So he like invited him over, and was like super nervous. And he was like, "Okay, uh, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play." He so and he like played him the song over the movie, and I was like, "Huh? Yeah. Huh?" <laughs> so he'd already and, uh, done the edit, I guess. Just didn't. I think yeah. he did. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. <laughs> and he was like, and apparently, yeah, Donald Glover. Was really flattered and was like, "Of course, yeah, yeah, that's great." Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I think that's funny that that uh, the way he put that about being like, you know, kind of uh, nervous about that. Uh, when I was, I'm thinking like now, now Jordan Peele after having like won an Oscar and everything, he's like, "Man, now you're you're the yeah. one with clout now." <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. He should be nervous about working with you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will talk about all of that next week. Yes. So now, uh, yes. Um, actually, before we do this, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the thing I sent you about the TSA agents? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is just a funny tidbit that I found while I was looking into this movie, and I didn't really fit anything anywhere else. But um, basically, uh, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, had um, if like any TSA agents, like, how they would have reacted to this movie because it's like. Rarely ever do you see like a TSA agent being the hero here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's usually they're usually they're portrayed in a less they're than like kind an annoyance light. or something for the hero or something, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're they're yeah. Wait, so okay, well, just uh, what does the TSA stand for again? The Transit Transport Security, Security Administration. Um. Yeah. So it's like right. you know. Uh, so I thought it was funny that uh, NPR had this segment where they interviewed a bunch of TSA agents about like what you thought, what they thought about this movie, right? Yeah, they loved it. And yeah, like um, they, uh, one woman would sorry, let me just get the quote she said here, but uh, basically uh, they were just saying like, oh, you know, how rare is it that uh, you know we get like a shout out in media because like you know all these. Um, all these uh, portrayals of us are... We're the villain. You know, we're the villain, and, you know, it really doesn't... 
it really doesn't help us, you know, when uh, it re- when we're just well, trying, we're trying to, to take with... our job seriously. And yeah, no, no, but also like you know, um, I it, I think it uh, when somebody's basically uh, annoyed uh, patrons, basically uh, being rude to them, and it it doesn't help that we're always portrayed that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like people's preconceptions. Yeah, of people them have all like... these preconceptions about us at the TSA, and that uh, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and there was another uh, thing where uh, Lil Rel, uh, what's the the actor's name? Lil Rel Howery. Oh yeah. Uh, he was asked about um, about the TSA agents in an interview with the New York Times, and uh, they asked him, uh, "Are you expecting special uh, special treatment from the TSA agents now?" And he says, "I can't wait to fly. I don't have anywhere <laughs> to go, but I might." go somewhere for no reason next week just to see the reaction i get from tsa agents that's hilarious well i think it was um it was a a jordan peele who was saying that he made him a tsa agent for the reason that he thought it was interesting because it's like it's like the one like situation that he's in regularly where he like the black man is not the most suspected like the not the most not assumed oh, to be I the see. most suspicious man in the room. Yeah, because I was wondering why he made him a TSA agent, because it's a really odd choice. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's like the one place where, like, people are racist more to other people in <laughs> right. America, I guess. I guess. Uh, it's just like, yeah, that's dark, but it's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um... Anyway, I I think the whole choice of making him a TSA agent uh, was really funny, and I yeah, and it worked out really well for tidbit of all the TSA like these clearly annoyed people who who are annoyed about how they're portrayed in media and everything. Like, I like how they enjoyed this portrayal. They seem to really like it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that one guy was like, "Yeah, people are already quoting the movie at me." Yeah, I know. And they're like, what are they quoting? He's like, oh, I can't say it on the air. And then they played the clip from the movie where he goes, T.S. motherfucking A. We handle we shit. We handle shit. It's what we do. <laughs> so I guess people are going up to him and saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I haven't been in an airport for a while, but next time I am, you know? <laughs> I feel like the, the glow from this movie has worn off, so they might not. I don't know if they'll. Yeah, I don't think a T.S. agent would react you know well to me swearing at them although maybe it's like a thing amongst tsa agents maybe they're all like super like into this movie yeah character. i don't know maybe next time I'm in the states i'll be like you know hey uh ts motherfucking hey am i right am i right am i right am i right, am I right? <laughs> you know? yeah yeah maybe you'll get beat up maybe you won't we'll see <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> um i feel like so they probably just like you know kind of chuckle and be like move okay the fuck along, yeah. move along <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, so that will bring us now to our final segment of the evening, of the afternoon, or the morning, or whenever you have Whenever you're listening. listening to this. Yeah, because it's timeless, evergreen, these episodes are. Let's just go right to it. Yeah, fucking power through. <laughs>
Uh, so, welcome to the segment known as Six Degrees of Star Trek, where we find out the connections between this film and Star Trek. Fuck uh, yes. This can be any screen appearance on Star Trek. Could be a TV show, could be a movie, but it cannot be a comic book or video game. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, first, let's start with... Uh, okay, wait, wait. Before I continue, actually, do you think this was difficult or easy? Do you think there are a lot of first connections, or do you I think th- I have to go through a couple? It could go. It could go, it could go both ways. The only way it's easy is if there's a lot of connections to like Star Trek Discovery or something. But I don't know. Jordan Peele, he worked on TV a lot. He worked in comedy. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some connections there. So yeah. I'm gonna shoot in the dark, and I'm gonna say there was a lot of connections. Okay, there were. There are three direct connections. Oh fuck! Okay. Actually, it could be more, but I stopped at three. Okay. Um, I was kind of hoping that uh, uh, I don't actually know if Jordan Peele is a Star Trek fan, but he he, he seems like he might be. He's um, a horror fan. Yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, he's he, he's not he's not been in Star Trek. Okay, bummer. But uh, you know who has a bunch <laughs> of people in this movie. Really? All right, starting with Marcus Henderson, who plays Walt in this movie. Okay, who does he play in Star Trek? Uh, so he's been in uh, four episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, which is okay. the recent animated uh, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, which I have mixed feelings on. Uh, yeah, we've we've discussed it. It's come up a couple of times actually. Yeah, where he plays a uh, Lieutenant Jet, or voices Lieutenant Jet. Voices, yeah, yeah. So, who uh, is Lieutenant Jed? Is that a good character? You know, um, I don't know if I've even seen these episodes, because these came out recently. Oh, okay. Well, um, shit, I'm behind on my Star Trek. I gotta finish her off. You haven't seen all the Star Trek available? Well, they keep making it. <laughs> well, you gotta keep watching it. I know, so I gotta, I gotta get back on this. Uh, but yeah, Lieutenant <laughs> Jet. So, the next connection... Is Stephen Root? Oh right, Stephen Root! I've totally forgot because he, yeah, he, he he's been in before. Yeah, he's been in two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation as Captain Kavada, who Captain is a Klingon. Kavada, a Klingon. We talked about him with I assume on uh, on the Office, Office Space, Space episode. Yeah, we did, but yeah, he uh, he's in the uh, two-parter Unification Part One and Two of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Which is uh, the one with the? Uh, is that the one with Spock? Star Trek Two. Then. Uh no, that's that's the uh, that's the one with uh, Spock's dad. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's a. Um, yeah, two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation as Captain Gavada, who is a Klingon. So we continue. Down the list we go. Down the list we go. We get to Richard Hurd. And who does Richard Hurd or Hard? Heard. Who does who Richard plays Roman play? Armitage? Oh, the father. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The grandfather, I mean. Yeah. He's on the TV. Yeah, that, that actor was very familiar. I couldn't place him, but it doesn't surprise you me. You probably didn't. know him from Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> Is he Neelix? No. No. Who does he play? 
I'm he sorry, plays I, I'm totally blanking on his Admiral face. Admiral Paris. Oh, he plays right. Tom Paris's dad. He's Tom Paris's dad. That's so good. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. And he has been in, I believe, four episodes of Voyager. Yeah. His dad's a real piece of shit, isn't he? I mean, or no? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, of uh, I'm thinking of a uh, Riker's dad. Oh no, Riker's dad is a real piece of shit. But yeah, but I mean, uh, obviously him and his dad, like uh, Paris and his dad, have some beef. Oh really? Sure. Paris has daddy issues. I'm shocked. Oh, obviously he does. He's fucking Paris. Yeah, Tom <laughs> Paris has the like biggest daddy complex I've ever seen in Star yeah. Trek, besides Kirk. What? Do we Kirk ever really talk about Kirk's dad? Kirk's daddy has the biggest has a or Kirk has the biggest daddy issues of them all. What do you mean? Don't, just look at him. Look when at the way we he talk acts. about Kirk's dad. What? When do we talk about Kirk's dad? We haven't talked about Kirk's dad. No. When do they in Star Trek? Let's not get into it. <laughs> what do you mean? Just look at him. I don't know what you're talking about. He's acting out. <laughs> I'm Let's sorry, move on. I don't I don't buy it. <laughs> He's got daddy issues, Kirk. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so those were three direct Star Trek connections. Hope you enjoyed Fuck them. Yeah. They were good. They were good ones. I did enjoy them. T S motherfucking A. Get shit done. We handle shit. Oh yeah, we handle shit. I keep fucking with that. He still thinks it's the sex lives at that point, eh? Oh, yeah, it's true. They, never in the movie does he actually figure out what's actually going on. It's true. He never he learns He just knows there's some shit going on. And he's, So he sees him covered in blood. He assumes sex slaves. <laughs> yeah. As far as he knows, it's weird fucking sex slave shit. That, that's probably menstrual blood. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, I mean, now you know what to prepare for in the Love Witch. <laughs> oh, good. That's good news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there you go. That's this week's episode. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, I have shoutouts to do. Shoutouts, shoutouts, shoutouts. Uh, I want to thank all our Italian listeners for tuning in. Mamma mia. Okay, it's not. <laughs> I'm surprised they tune in because I'm consistently uh, making fun of the way they talk. Yeah, somehow despite your, uh, you know, offensive behavior, they, uh, <laughs> they keep coming back. Um, well, I appreciate them, so thank you. How do you say thank yeah. you in uh, Italian? Grazie. You've asked grazie. me this before. Of course, yeah, grazie. There we go. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. Uh, see you guys next week for part two. Same movie. Same movie. Around the same time. Round two. And we're not on a channel. So. Tune in. Tune in. Same bat time. Same bat channel. All right. Uh, all right. Peace out.